You're listening to Comedy Central. The big issue right now is getting people vaccinated as quickly as possible. And now there's yet another thing making that harder than it should be, assholes. The Los Angeles Times says dozens of anti-vaccination protesters disrupted operations at one of the largest vaccine sites in the country. They blocked entrances and forced the inoculation center at Dodger Stadium to close for about an hour Saturday. Hundreds of people waited in their cars to get shots. Some city officials are calling for increased security at testing and vaccination locations. Whoa, these people in LA had to sit in their cars for an hour. How did they notice? But all the real though, what the fuck? Anti-vaxxers, if you don't want a vaccine, then don't get one. I don't agree with you, but don't ruin it for everyone else. Like we don't come interrupt you when you're busy dying of measles. Cause here's what I don't understand. Why does it always have to be the most ridiculous people who are the most fired up? Like why can't anti-vaxxers be like those Instagram models were last summer? You know, where they just post a black square on Instagram for one day and then never bring up vaccines again. Western Australia went into total lockdown after discovering its first coronavirus case in 10 months. You see, Australia is very different from the United States. In the US, water goes down the drain clockwise. And in Australia, they care about stopping coronavirus. Now, part of the reason for Australia's success is that Australians don't resist the government as much when they tell them that they should stay at home. And it's partly because These people know that COVID is a serious disease. It's also partly because it lets Australians stay away from all the other things in Australia that could kill them. Yeah, mate, it's bad enough that the scorpions and snakes are trying to kill me, but there's a koala that's trying to give me an STD. Now, eventually, of course, the world will reemerge from the pandemic. And I know everyone thinks that they're gonna jump right back into their old lives, you know, like going to bars or theaters or using the bottom half of your face to express emotion but you might want to prepare for a period of adjustment because some things apparently take a little time to relearn. A new report says some pilots are getting rusty on the job due to the pandemic because, well, there are fewer planes to fly. Some pilots grounded for months by the pandemic have seen their skills and proficiency suffer. For instance, one pilot forgot to disengage the parking brake, damaging a tow truck that was trying to pull that plane from the gate. In another case, the pilot, well, forgot to turn on the anti-icing mechanism. Other reports include lining up the wrong runway for landing. To counter such rustiness, the FAA stops pilots from flying a commercial jet unless they have performed at least three takeoffs and three landings, either on a plane or in a simulator, in the previous 90 days. All right, I don't know about you, but this is kind of scary. Apparently you never forget how to ride a bike, but you forget how to fly a plane after like five days? Oh man, this is gonna change everything. Next time the plane hits turbulence, the pilot's gonna jump on the intercom like, uh, are there any hijackers on board? We need someone who knows how to fly the plane. I repeat, any hijackers, please make yourself known to the cabin crew. And listen, I get that pilots are human and everyone makes mistakes at their jobs, but there are certain jobs where there is way less room for error. You know, like as a mail carrier, you might say, oh, whoops, this package was supposed to go to apartment two and I accidentally sent it to apartment three. But as a pilot, it's more like, oh, whoopsie, these people were supposed to go to Miami and I accidentally sent them to heaven. And trust me now, this is not just gonna be pilots, people. 
everyone is gonna be rusty after COVID. Projectionists are gonna be showing movies upside down. Bouncers are gonna be letting in groups of ugly dudes and telling beautiful women they got on the wrong shoes. Bullies are gonna give you their lunch money. Until the pandemic is actually over, Americans are going to need more help getting through it. And the big question of what that help will look like is dominating Washington, D.C. right now. President Biden's pledge of bipartisanship facing its first test tonight. The president inviting 10 Republican senators to the Oval Office to pitch their COVID relief counteroffer. Their $600 billion proposal is a mere fraction of the president's $1.9 trillion package. The GOP plan leaves out a minimum wage boost the president includes and whittles down his $1,400 direct payments to Americans to $1,000. Still, when all was said and done, the White House did not appear to be conceding much ground, saying the president will not settle for a package that fails to meet the moment. This is a sign of this effort for, from President Biden to get bipartisanship here, but it also comes as Democrats on Capitol Hill are paving the way to move forward with only Democratic votes for this relief package. Look, man, I'm not gonna lie. I get why Democrats and Republicans are having trouble agreeing on this relief package. I mean, this is a difference of $1.3 trillion. How do you compromise when you're that far apart? It's like deciding what you wanna get for dinner and you want something nice, but your date wants to eat out of a gas station trash can. You can't compromise and eat out of a nice trash can. But I also do love how Republicans suddenly get stingy the second that a Democrat comes into office. Because don't forget, during the Trump years, they were handing out tax cuts with a strip of money gun. But now that Biden is president, suddenly they're trying to hand out COVID relief a penny at a time. One penny, two pennies. Am I making it rain yet? Three pennies, yes. More of a drizzle, I agree. Now, a lot of people are upset about the Democrats' plan to give people $1,400 because they say that the Democrats promised to give people $2,000 but the Democrats are arguing that everybody already got the first 600 a month ago. And I get the Democrats' point on this one, but at the same time, so many people are struggling right now, why not just give them 2,600 instead? I mean, you can find the money somewhere. Just take it from Space Force. Trump is gone. We don't have to pretend that that's a thing anymore. Children. They're like puppies that walk on two legs. But with the pandemic, taking care of them is harder than ever. And guess which gender has been saddled with that burden? The childcare crisis is pushing working moms out of the labor force. More than two million women have left the workforce in the U.S. since this pandemic began. When you look at that December job support on a net basis, women made up all of the job losses, losing 156,000 jobs. Men net gained 16,000. Even before the pandemic, women shouldered more household chores. When schools shut down and daycares closed, many women felt they had no choice but returned to jobs as homemakers. Burnout among working moms who are juggling it all, the homeschool, the childcare, and the demanding jobs. My son's headphones uh, are not working right now, so I'm spending my day working while hearing the schooling in the background. I usually get about an hour or so of uninterrupted work time. Um, so there is also the fun fact that my son is in band and they have to do it virtually. Man, I feel so bad for that mom. She's got to work with her kid playing French horn in the background. Honestly speaking, all brass instruments 
should be illegal. No one's ever said car horns are great, but how do we bring them indoors? But look, if your kid has to play a brass instrument, then you should make sure that it's a trombone because at least that way they can provide sound effects for your Zoom calls. I'm sorry to say this, Mr. Chairman, but our revenue is down this quarter. Thanks, Timmy. You gotta admit, moms are taking on so much more these days. Working, homeschooling their kids, running a house, it's a very different pandemic experience than childless people are having. Because childless people, their complaints are like, oh man, I wasted all day watching Netflix again. I didn't even get to Hulu. Ah, man, what a tough day. But while Corona has exacerbated these problems, childcare has been a major issue in America long before everyone started wiping down their junk mail. It's the subject of another episode of If You Don't Know, Now You Know. Let's be honest, people. America is great at many things. Rebooting British TV shows, making anything flaming hot, but providing parents with childcare isn't one of them. And the consequences are felt throughout the entire country. The U.S. is one of the only developed countries that does not have free care for young children. Overall, the cost of childcare has roughly tripled since 1990, which is more than the overall rate of inflation. The average cost of care per child is more than $26,000 per year for parents in parts of the USA. That's more than housing and college tuition. Childcare costs can wipe out or nearly wipe out any economic benefit the woman would get from working. As a result, women will often stay out of the workforce to care for their child. This is going to cost upwards of $700 billion this year to the U.S. economy in terms of lost productivity. That's 3.5% of GDP. Labor participation rate of women in the United States kept pace with top countries in this area, like Norway, for instance. Our economy would be $1.6 trillion larger. Better child care is a win for everybody. There's just no downside to it. That's right. It turns out this burden isn't just on moms. It directly impacts the entire country. America is missing out on economic growth, equality, and probably inventions. You know, like a combination refrigerator toilet. America could have had that by now if the woman who had the idea didn't have to quit her engineering job to take care of her kids. And not only does this hurt women's productivity, it also hurts men's productivity. Because if women aren't in the office, then men have to spend all day mansplaining stuff to each other. Hey, Bob, Bob, let me show you how to turn that file into a PDF. Hey, Gary, how about I show you how to save it onto the network drive? No, silly, you gotta format it correctly. Here, let me show you. Hey, do you know all the formatting shortcuts? Here, let me teach you. Have you seen a Coen Brothers movie? I mean, like, really seen it? Quentin Tarantino. Now, the truth is, this childcare problem isn't actually that difficult to solve. All you gotta do is let kids get jobs. I mean, a textile mill is just arts and crafts with quotas. But there's also another less illegal solution for childcare that other countries have figured out a long time ago. You let the government pay for it. The cost of childcare is generally paid for by a combination of the government, parents, and childcare providers. 
In the U.S., the cost falls mostly on parents and providers. In other countries like Denmark and Sweden, the government foots most of the bill. In Sweden, tax revenue supports generous childcare programs and gives employees vast leave of absence opportunities. Those programs in turn help make Swedish citizens more employable. They also don't have to ration big portions of their paychecks to things like daycare or student loans. In Finland, the government offers public daycare for any child until the age of seven, or if the parents decide to opt out, they're entitled to paid leave for the first three years of their kid's life. The French government offers a family allowance every month to help pay for child expenses, all the way up until the kid's 20th birthday. On top of all this, families get tax credits for daycare and schooling expenses. It's a generous system that costs the state tens of billions of euros each year, a high cost that's worth it. The more active women are in the workforce, the more they have babies. And more babies means more future workers and future taxpayers. Okay, I mean, that makes sense. But it's a little weird for that lady to refer to babies as future workers and taxpayers. I wonder if she rolls up to her new nieces and nephews like, are you gonna grow our GDP? Uh, yes, you are. Uh, yes, you are. Although, just for the record, she's not totally right. If the past four years have taught us anything, it's that not all kids work. But look, overall, I think these countries have it right. And it's actually sad when you see Americans get shocked when they learn how other countries handle childcare. Wait, they get three years of parental leave in Finland? That's crazy. But it's not crazy. It's just that other countries expect their government to make life easier for its citizens. Over there, they say, wow, it's hard to raise kids. Let's have the government help. Only America goes, wow, it's hard to raise kids, but the government needs all the money for drones and tax cuts. So sorry, Susie, I hope this iPad can raise you. But the craziest part is, We know America is capable of giving everyone access to childcare because they've already done it, back when everything was in black and white. When World War II came, the government started recruiting women to work in factories as the men went out to war. On the production line, Rosie the Riveter steps in when the draftees step out. From 1940 to 1945, the total women in the workforce rose nearly 30%. And they very brilliantly realized that if women had children, Something had to be done for the children. So this was really the first and only time that the American government, the federal, at the federal level, said, okay, we have to support childcare. Essentially, the U.S. was the closest it had ever been to having universal childcare. An amendment to the Lanham Act gave families access to childcare six days a week, including summers and holidays, and families only had to pay roughly $10 a day in today's dollars. But once the war ended and the men went back to work, government funding dried up. You see, America was willing to pay for childcare when the only alternative was being overrun by Nazis. But then once the war was over, America just got rid of it, which is not fair to moms. And it's gonna make them a lot more hawkish when it comes to war. The next time America's got tension with Iran, American moms are gonna be like, come on, come on, Ayatollah, you gotta make this happen. So the point is, Better childcare is possible in America. And it would be great if America took advantage of this global war against the coronavirus to make childcare available for everyone. Because if America misses this opportunity to act, it'll continue to let down its moms, dads, and worst of all, its children. Not now, Timmy!
The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 